I love music. The sun will shine in its own time, and he will see us through. Isn't that good? Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God for his sun who is shining upon us all. Today, uh, I struggled with this message, but uh, finally the Lord said, yeah, that's the message that you need to give to the church today. I want to read a few verses from uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive and you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent. If therefore you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May God bless his word. Amen. How churches die. I was reading about the church life in England and was surprised that only 3% of the population attend worship on any given Sunday. That's a true fact. William Barclay, a Christian historian has said that as you look out upon the English church life you see massive buildings and you know that at one time church life in England was a great institution having great importance but the churches of England have come upon evil days and decay many of the buildings are now abandoned and deserted in disrepair, in ruins, or converted for other purposes. It's a sad situation. The state of the church today is not a good one. It is a sad state. I remember visiting a large church in 1958. Some of you were not born yet. I was in London and I, it was Wednesday night. I said, time to go to Bible study, right? Wednesday night. I used to go to Bible study. I looked for a church. I found a church there. And uh, 
uh, it was Wednesday evening. To my surprise, when I entered, I found it empty. It was a church that seat maybe 1,000, uh, except for a few elderly people. I also visited a doctor and his wife in uh, Dusseldorf, Germany. And uh, they said, Abel, we are, we're going to show you around after, and then we're going to take you to uh, the most beautiful, the largest church, we believe, in Germany and uh, in the world, perhaps. And I went with them. And uh, when I entered there, it was an empty church. And then I found out there were tourists there. They're using it like a tourist site for people to come and visit and nothing else. Sad, isn't it? A pastor visited Spurgeon's church in London in 1968. He was looking forward with the party for excitement. And uh, it was uh, to uh, the party, it's like a dream. We're going to Spurgeon's church. Upon his arrival with the party, the caretaker showed them the auditorium that seats about 2,000. The pastor then asked, how many people attend services now? The caretaker replied, it's a good Sunday when we have 100 people in attendance. Granted that we do not equate life with the size of bigness. However, when you compare the past with the present and how uh, what happens to the life of the church, especially this church from uh, Spurgeon's from large to small, then you cannot help but conclude that something has happened to that church. And I believe not to that church. Something has happened to the state of the church all over the world. Can a church die? I think it's an appropriate question for today. Something happened to the church at Sardis. It was located in a wealthy commercial center, noted for its high living, Affluency, well-to-do people, great church. It had a fine beginning. At one time, it was thriving with vigorous and full of life members that were so proud of their church and the message that they had. But somewhere, Somehow, we hear Jesus says, you only have a name that you are alive, when in reality, you are dead. I read this about two months ago, and I said, hey, one day I'm going to preach about it. Not that we are a dead church, God forbid. But it's a sobering thought about the church in general today. Especially what we've been hearing. The church has gone far away from God. That many churches have become museums. Or you pass by and says, this used to be a church building. Or this used to be the church 
we knew we used to go to. It brings tears to my eyes to see a church closing and instead something else, an apartment building coming up or a business coming up while this church used to do business for the Lord Jesus Christ and it's no more there. It's sad. I'm not going to paint a sad picture, but I would like to share with you so we can be awakened to the full fact that the church today is not enjoying a good reputation in the world. And how should we live to present this church? What did Christ mean when he said, you are dead? And when is a church dead? I want to share two thoughts with you, maybe three. I believe when a church is dead, when it worships the past. When it worships the past. What was Christ saying to this church? Though you look alive. That's what he's saying. Let's interpret verse 1. You look alive. From the outside. And you can impress people. You have a beautiful building. You have a thriving business in here. You don't need money. You don't seem to need help. You don't need members. We can see what you're doing. You have a a great reputation in the community. I know you well, citizens of Sardis. I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. And I know your past accomplishments. Which gave you that reputation of being alive, as we said. And he adds on, he says, Well, I know that though you claim to be healthy Christian church, in reality, you are dead. How does a church die? Why does the Lord use this expression for sadness, though there were other churches in the vicinity that they were having some problems too? But why did he use the word, you are dead for sadness? I believe, I looked about the history of this church. Sardis was a famous church in a royal city. The citizens there were living off their past. They were so proud of their achievement. So proud of uh, their statues that were all around. So proud of the, uh, of the buildings that they had. And uh, the church of Sardis were so proud of their church too. And that same spirit that affected the community affected the church. According to that history. But if we look in there, let's together and listen to this. Their loyalty and service to Christ were all in the past. 
for now, there was nothing. They went through the Reformation. And they stood for God. They did some real battles. But there came a time where they wanted to go forward in the community. What happened? According to their history, they made peace with the surrounding society. And the offense of the cross had to cease in order to make peace with the community and society. You see where the church starts dying there. And may God help us. And give us the vision that peace with the world is enmity to God. We want to be known in the community. Pastor so and so. Associate pastor, the church there, oh, there's wonderful people. Uh, they compromised their stand. The cross took a back seat. And what came to the front was a relationship. We have good relationship with the present government here and with our community and we don't need to offend anybody that church is open for everyone and let us have a good worship service altogether. Hypocrisy and decay in religion landed there and the church started going backward slowly, slowly. They didn't feel it. Because they did miss members. On the contrary, more members came by, but came through the large and wide door. They had a form of godliness, but not the power of it. They lost the power when they opened the doors to the world and the world started coming in. And they started compromising. The Lord Jesus Christ went through the other door and said, Hey, this is not the church that I wanted. We think, oh, well, this is Sardis. But isn't it a picture of the church today? You know what? Also, they got comfortable. We have it here. We got it. Not the seats only. They got comfortable inside. Sin is no more bothering them. Getting away from God is no more bothering them. Compromising their stand with the world no more bothering them. Their conscience was seared. And they didn't care. As long as the money is coming. And the members and we are full and we are doing well. Okay, we don't have to worry. But the voice comes from heaven. You have a reputation that you are alive. But in fact, you're dead. Remember, therefore, he says in verse 3, that you have 
receive what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. They never knew that they needed to repent until they heard a voice from heaven. It says, remember, you fell. You left me somewhere. And I ask you to repent. Oh, yes. Uh, if therefore you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. Oh, yes. The church today, our church today, you know we've asked uh, by many, I receive letters, I receive phone calls to have alliances with the outside world. To have uh, interfaith programs and be part of it. I have received letters, if you want to know. Okay. Uh, we are invited to have social programs, uh, affiliations. Uh, so many times we receive to go a walkathon for this cause and that cause. Uh, sports uh, programs. I'm not against sports. I am. I love sports. But is this what the church is called for? Can you imagine with me? When the Lord Jesus Christ gave the great commission to the disciples, 12 of them, to go to the world, he says, go and have a walkathon tomorrow on the streets of Jerusalem. And I want you, Peter, oh no, Peter is old. I want the young ones to form a softball Team and so and challenge all the other churches around you. Is this was that the Great Commission? He said, Go to the whole world. Preach, teach, and baptize, and win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. That church lost its vision there in Sardis, lost its calling in Sardis, and this is why. And they they relied, well, we have it in the past. We won souls in the past. We built in the past. Look at us. Look at us. We're the greatest, the biggest, the most wonderful church in Sardis here. Okay. And what are you preaching? We're preaching Sardis in the past. How about Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ took the back seat. You are dead. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. I want to read it to you. You don't need to open it. But this is what Paul was giving his farewell to the church in Ephesus. And he was telling them what he and what they should do to the church and how they should stand for the Lord. Be on guard. Be on guard. And this is why the elders of this church and the elders of any church, the pastor of any church that wants to go forward for the Lord Jesus Christ and not to see any death Neither now nor in the future. Be on guard, he says, for yourselves and for all the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Be on guard. There are winds. The winds from this world is coming. The winds that wants us to take away our eyes from Christ. And this is okay, 
and that is okay. And if we don't join this party or you know, go along with this party, we're going to be affected. We're going to be no more a church. Let me ask you a question. Did the Pauline church, the church of God, did it thrive through Nero's killing? Did it thrive through uh, the problems they face in their lives? Did it thrive through their dying for the Lord Jesus Christ? The church thrived and came forward. And we are, we are now the fruits of their work and of their lives. Leon Morris, a Christian writer, writes in this regard, The church is a powerful church only when it is a penitent church. A comfortable, easy-minded church has no power to stir the world either to salvation or to opposition. Put it in your mind. We are a friend of ev- to everyone. Everyone. No, we, we, are, we love everyone. I would love to be friends to anyone. But first and foremost... We are here to preach the gospel. To preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He is the only Savior. And there is no way you can enter heaven except through Him. We cannot compromise. And we will not compromise. Yes, the Saudi church was living in the past and preaching about its reputation instead of Christ. The church was proud. We, did we hear about pride last Wednesday? Oh, for uh, proud for its achievements instead of proclaiming the word of God. John Calvin once said, wherever we see the word of God purely preached and heard, there a church of God exists even if it swarms with many faults. You know, the church, as long as it has people, the church has faults. As long as the church is made out of you and me, there is problem. And there are problems in the church. Because we are human beings, we have, we have all our problems. But we thank God. As long as we preach the gospel, in spite of ourselves, the Lord covers our iniquities. And He proclaims the gospel to the whole world. Friends and brothers and sisters, memories are comforting. I would say to the church of Sardis, memories are comforting. And they are reassuring, but not always stimulating. We can look back only in thanksgiving. If I want to look back at our past victories and achievements, we can look back with humbleness and say, Lord, thank you for giving us these years. And please continue to give us your blessings for the future years. We are never satisfied because we'd like to have more and to see more people come to Jesus Christ. The Sardis church was resting on its reputation. Yes, when we love the past more than Christ, church dies. Another point here When we love success more than Christ. Success. The church is the light 
of the world. The church is the salt of this world. And it must do what God demands, not what society decides. May God help us and help each and every one to stand firm without any compromise. Their compromise resulted in spiritual weakness and service. It's, it seems to me that according to what I read this morning, that they started on something and never finished it. And this is what the Lord tells them. Wake up, strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of God. They have a program. They come up with something and they let it go. They did not complete the calling. They did not go on and forth with the mission that the Lord has given them. And the commission that was given, it wasn't given only to the disciples, to every church that preaches the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to complete the work. We have a work ahead of us. And that church in Sardis did not finish the job. And this is why God said, Wow, you started well. What happened? What happened? And he was not very happy with them. In verse 3 you see that. The church also drifted toward worldliness. To open wide its doors, as we said. No more unique Christians inside its doors. As suggested, you have a few people in verse 4. Few people remains in Sardis. Slowly, slowly. Uh, who have not soiled their garments. Few have left who have not soiled their garments. Others were lured by the world. Others left. It's too much. We cannot walk this walk. We cannot follow the way you want it. Oh, guys, you're teaching. You're teaching. My teaching. Bill's teaching. Mike's teaching. Sylvia's teaching the women. You're teaching. How many times? We have people here who says, well, you, you teach differently here. We don't teach anything outside from outside the Bible. It's not my teaching or his teaching. It's the Bible's teaching. This is why so many people left. This is why. Well, uh, you know, I don't like this church in Sardis. But there were left so few there. Few left, they said. We want to start. We want to do something about it. Those who left, let them leave. But we want to do something about it. We want to take up our responsibilities. We want to help. We want to work. And this is the call for us today. Are we going to work or sit in the back benches do nothing about it? The church is sinking. I'm not saying about... Okay, the church in general is sinking. The church today is really in a bad shape. And those of you who are living in this world have followed the stories that we read 
for the last three, four, five, six months. And others, and others, and others, and others. You have people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. I want to address those ones. You who are standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. If people mock you, people talk about you, people ridicule you, let me tell you one thing. Blessed are you. This is what the Bible says. Stand firm and continue the journey. If you think it is bad, please listen to this. This is from the World Council of Churches. To encourage dialogue, the World Council of Churches has suggested that chairs of Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslim scholars be appointed in Christian universities and colleges and that an appeal to be made uh, to Muslims, Hindu and Buddhist universities to have a chair of Christian studies. And why is all this? this uh, ecumenists believe that divine truth is so rich and many-sided that only fragments are found in any one faith. This is from the World Council of Churches. And you tell me why Sardis died, why the churches are dying, and why the church is dead today in the USA and in the world? It says, this is what, what give me, it says, uh, that only fragments are found in any one faith. Let me tell you one thing. The full, complete truth is found in the Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ. No fragments in here. And we don't teach fragments. And we don't believe in half a God. Or a God who cannot save. Or a good God. We don't have a God who is made out of a rock. Or a piece of wood. Or a tree. We don't worship the sun, the moon, and others. We worship everything. And that's why this church locally will never die. If we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we honor him. And separate ourselves from this world. Sad, isn't it? The church made friends with this world. The church at Sardis tolerated Sardis. Did you get this point? The church at Sardis tolerated Sardis. It's okay. We'll accept this sin. That's all right. This is part of growing up. This is okay, and that's okay. What happened to the church? And it did not transform Sardis. That church went along with the world instead of transforming the world. We have a, me- we have a message. And we have a mission. The message is Jesus saves. And the mission is we have to transform the whole world. We are not going to be transformed by this world. We don't come to church to be transformed to, to, trans, uh, to be transformed by this world. We come to church to take this message and transform the world all over. I love I love people coming to church. You know that. And I love a living church like, like ours. 
Uh, and when does a church come alive? We're not going to leave it on the, on the negative side. No. But when does a church come alive? When can you say, this is a living church? I have a few points. I want to give them to you quickly. <clears throat> a church comes alive when its people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not any other spirit. This contrary. Okay. Second, when the members study, share, and serve the Lord. Are you doing that? I want to encourage you this morning. Let the churches die. Universally, I'm speaking. But the church that you belong to is a living church, and it needs you. It needs you to study, to share, and to serve. When religious people, another one, who do not know Christ, trust themselves completely to Him and receive His salvation in your church. That means you're doing something right. When does a church come alive? When the members live a style of life motivated by Christ, not the world. Who motivates you? Who motivates you? Star Wars movie? Something out there? You know what? If Christ motivates me, there is no better life under the sun. Who is your motivator? I don't have to go and pay $50 to listen to someone to motivate me and to tell me psychology and psychiatry. Let's just go away. And teach their own thoughts. We come to church to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the thoughts of the psychologists and the psychiatrists with all respect due to them. This is why it's called church. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are motivated by Him and Him alone. We are not motivated by any other teaching under the sun. <clears throat> Another one. When the members live free from sin, listen to this, relaxed. Have you met a good Christian, a Christian who is not relaxed? I think most of the Christians are relaxed because they know their sins are forgiven. They don't have this halo over their heads. And they are not running scared what's going to happen. If you are saved, if your life is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you made your peace with God, why shouldn't you be relaxed? You don't need a psychiatrist to relax you at all. You don't need a bench, you don't need a sofa, you don't need anything. You only need the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And their life is renewed, and they are always willing to introduce others to Christ. Another one, when members stand firm in their own convictions, based on the Word of God. When members are more concerned about winning souls for Christ, than they are about winning honors for themselves. These are the signs of a living church. And thank God we have plenty of those. I am proud of you. And let Adrian Rogers talk about me. I am proud of that. And I don't think it's a sin. I am proud of that. Finally, a church is a 
alive when the members are truly related to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you belong to Jesus? Bottom line, are you related to the Lord? What do I mean by that? The Bible says, those who believed on him, who accepted him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. You are related completely by adoption. You became the child of God. Are you a child of God this morning? Huh? Your life can shine. And you'll be a living soul. Are you a child of God? To the Christians I say, go forward. Be the light of this world. Show the world that your church is alive by these wonderful deeds. And to those who have not yet experienced the Lord Jesus Christ, are you related to him? Would you like to become a child of God? Would you like to say, now, I leave this place. My sins are forgiven. I am free from sin. I am relaxed. I am renewed. And I will go out and I am willing to tell people about Jesus Christ. If you are still in your sin, if you are still struggling with your life, if you still, you know, if the Lord Jesus Christ comes now to take his saints home, that you will not be called on to be taken with him. This is the opportunity. Lord Jesus, I want to become a child of God. Lord Jesus, I want to become a child of God. And you know what? And you become part of this church. The church that's living for Christ. And you know what the Bible says about it? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let the whole world come against it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's bow our heads. Would you like today, after you've heard, I hope, through the Holy Spirit. What a church should be, would you like? If you know yourself, you're not a child of God. Say, Adol, I want to become. I want to be related to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I give you my life. Wash me with your blood. And change me. Simple, isn't it? If you know... For sure, deep inside. You might be telling me, oh, well, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to contest that. But if you know deep inside that you are not yet saved, and the Lord Jesus Christ has been knocking on your door, on the door of your heart, saying, come unto me, open the door. I would like to be your Savior. I would like to change your life. I would like to make you a relaxed person, a happy person, a joyful person. Say, yes, Lord, I would like that. I would like that. Just lift up your hand. Say, hey, Adol, I want to. Pray for me. No one is looking. No one is looking. Trust me on that. Would you lift up your hand? Say, Lord, Adol, pray for me. I would like to become related to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there one? Is there one who wants to pray this prayer? Please, don't, listen, don't let this opportunity pass you by. 
Last call. Just lift up your hand and say, Abel. By, by doing that, amen. 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 I will pray for you. Last call. Don't leave this place. You want to be related to this wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Lift up your hand like this. Say, Lord, I want, I want you. Is there an, another, another person? Our Father, we thank you this morning for your church that the gates of hell will never, never prevail against it. We thank you for your love toward us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who came to save us from sin. This hand that uh, was lifted up, asking to be related to you, to be saved, I pray that you enter this heart change it and make this life a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts, all of us. May we not forget the mission that we have and the calling that we have. We thank you for what we have in here in the San Ramon Valley. We thank you for the privilege of having a little church in this area. May we be sincere and pure and honest and defend your word with our lives. Times are really getting difficult, but help us to stand firm on your word. Dismiss us, we pray now, with the, your blessings. And we give your name all glory and power and praise forever and ever. Amen. The meeting is over. God bless you. If anyone would like to talk to me after this meeting, I'll be more than happy here to talk to them.